season four. Oh my god it feels like it's been forever since I it talked does to we saved it all up i feel like we haven't talked about our chat has been so quiet like the <laughs> until past last night so. it was quiet <laughs> yeah until, until oh last night are we gonna discuss that um, <laughs> we just just you know just trading uh pornography like normal <laughs> friends do <laughs> I just, I discovered, well, you know, somebody posted in headquarters the Beetlejuice thing where it's, it was Beetlejuice with Lydia Dietz, the, the girl in it, and they're in a sexual position. And, um, I had, I was just like, I never knew this was a thing. Like, is this, is this a whole thing I'm missing now on? Cause I'm in. And so like I Google it and then somehow I end up on Aladdin porn and it's, Somehow. Oh, somehow, my fingers just tickled the ivories <laughs> over to it. But it's Jasmine and her dad, the Sultan, and it is nasty. <laughs> and immediately, I knew two ladies who would also enjoy how filthy this was. And, and then we just, um, then we just spiraled straight down a and then, hole. And then it got, and then it spiraled, and then it got quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, I responded and I was like, I'm gonna need to have some. I'll be in my bunk. Oh, that was so good. So yeah, so it went from from Aladdin to Belle and her dad, Maurice, and then Crazy old Maurice. Crazy old Maurice. Should we start over? But, Should we uh, stop recording? No, no, absolutely not. That is definitely staying. Okay. It was. It, it went from all of that to to really weird <laughs> stuff like anime and and it just. I never stopped. Just, <laughs> giant, just giant uh, phallus. Palaces. Yeah. If you just want to ruin your childhood, though, there's, there's ways to do it. Out there to do it. Yeah. That innocent Maurice. <laughs> but it's, it's kind of appropriate that we're kicking off today with this kind of discussion because it's Alexa Riley week on Oh my Rainy God. Romance. That's and true. They're, they're going to play it. They brought for us a, a band book called Wanting My Stepsister. And we're going to play the first half of that in a little while. But we have to debrief on the last two weeks because we haven't talked. I was in St. Louis last weekend. And I... I want to hear about it. I saw you at the Arch. I was at the Arch. And I've been to St. I have driven through St. Louis before uh, on my way from California to New York when I moved cross country. And I just literally rolled the window down at the Arch, looked out, and kept going. And it just really... <laughs> I... That's what I do. Like something you do. Honestly, I mean, we spent five minutes at the Grand Canyon. We're just not like stop and take it in kind of people. But when I was at the Arch this weekend, I was waiting for people to meet me, the other authors I was with. 
And so I had like 20 minutes on my own and I just put my headphones in and sat underneath the arch and I listened to the Beatles and it was like That's the really most cool. amazing, just, I dropped out of reality for 20 minutes and I was listening to Across the Universe and stuff like that. And it was just a moment. I had like a moment. It was really nice. That's really yeah. cool. You're such a fucking little hippie. I am a little hippie heart. in my heart. <laughs> little I know, hippie, little hood. Who <laughs> <laughs> sent me this stupid shirt? <laughs> For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, Mel sent me I forgot in the about mail them. a shirt, like a hoodie that says a little hippie, a little hood. And I and I immediately texted them. I didn't Because she true. is a little hippie. I didn't know who it was from, so I immediately took a picture and texted them, like, look who sent me something stupid and <laughs> and Mel was like, It's me, it's for me. <laughs> Uh, and she's never been able and to I'm still in that hole trying to crawl out of it. Yeah. yeah, so it was cool. I like St. Louis. It was a really good town. We went to Pappy's Bar, Pappy's Smokehouse, which has the best. That's what I was going to ask if you got Best ribs in America and have to concur. They were really good. So Mel is making the worst face right now. Oh, you now. have. She's making there's the another worst place face. two blocks away that's better. <laughs> I just, I'm in Missouri. We don't think St. Louis is the best barbecue. Kansas <laughs> no, City has the she best said barbecue. best ribs. I would like to quantify this too. I have been to Missouri. That's I've true. been to Kansas City. Like I, I think they have pretty good ribs and pretty good barbecue. I you have to go to different places yeah, for different things. Yeah. If you want brisket, you go to like mm-hmm. Smokehouse. If you want ribs, we're going to get in this argument again. But I, I want. think that North Carolina has the best pulled pork. And I think Texas has the best brisket. I think Kansas City knows what's up with ribs. I'm not going to argue with you on that. <laughs> I, I'm not a, so I'm not a main course type of person. I'm the sides person. I'm like, I want the sweet potato fries oh, and the potato yeah, salad and yeah. the coleslaw. And mm-hmm. that's what I'm. Mel's a side. That's what girl. I'm there for. I'm not there for the ribs. Yeah. So like, it's nice. No, but I'm, I'm, I'm there for the sides for a the lot meat. of times. Too. I don't give a shit. And the corn nuggets. corn nuggets. I didn't get those. That sounds like I'm going to have to yeah. poop. Cheesy corn nuggets. <laughs> I'm hungry. Let's stop the podcast to go eat for a few minutes. <laughs> no, let's talk about food. <laughs> I There's this barbecue place near us that doesn't do sides. They have like slaw. You can get slaw and a piece of cornbread and that's it. They're like, fuck you if you want something else. This is all we do is- Like our sides are so big here that people just order a gallon oh of them. That sounds so fast. Like you can, you just drop in and you're like, can I get a gallon Jesus, of beans? Jesus, a gallon, a of, gallon of beans? What do you do with that? You're taking it to oh, a barbecue or something. Just pour it out of a jug. It's like all your dish. Just pour beans out of a jug. <laughs> So you show up with like your thing. You're like, I brought smokehouse beans. <laughs> Motherfuckers. Is that what you say? <laughs> <laughs> I saved the day. <laughs> Did I ever tell the story about oh the time I showed up at a house party in high school with a giant six foot subway sub? Were you the hero <laughs> of the day? Well, so I worked at Subway. And my friend, yes. my friend, my best friend, Ashley and I worked at Subway together. And so we were on, we were closing up Subway, getting ready to go to a house party and like, nobody showed up to pick up this six foot sub. We were like, Oh shit, we can just take this to the party. We walked in and it was like deafening roar of cheers. (laughs) It was one of the best moments of my life to this day. Top 10 at least. That should be a book. Like she shows up with a six foot sandwich. I mean, I'm always going to be happy to see you if you're showing up with a six foot sandwich. I'd be be cheering for you too if you walked into my house right fucking now. There's no party happening. Uh, 
Oh, segue. I am having a party tomorrow. Yeah, you said you had company coming in because you are, were you, so you're doing like a surprise, right? I'm doing a sort of a surprise party for my husband. It's not really big because he would go insane if I threw like a big party for him. He wouldn't like that. I have invited some of his close friends to come stay with us. And so they're going to be here on Saturday and stay the night. So, and it's a, it's a surprise. I'm trying to get him out of the house on Saturday and I'm going to set up and everything. So I'm, I'm really excited. He's going to love it. Just his friends being here. Even one of his friends that's coming, he messaged me and he was like, at first, he's going to be pissed, and then he's going to be happy, and then he's going to be aggravated. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly the order. Of which Wait, why is he going to get aggravated? He's going to be pissed he wasn't there sooner to see them, and he's going to be happy, and he's going to be aggravated that there's not enough time. Like, that's I know how he is. Yeah. That's really sweet. I know. Sweet it that, is I mean, sweet. That they, especially yeah. that they know that about him. Yeah, they're like, I know he's just going to be aggravated that we're not there for longer. We're only there for one night. He's going to be pissed that we don't have that he didn't know about it sooner, so he could like spend the day together, you know, or whatever. But I was like, it'll be fine. He'll be he'll get over it. <laughs> the happy middle will make up for all the other parts. I threw a, a surprise birthday party for my husband when he turned forty. Yeah, that's my husband. He's, he's just, turning he's 40. forty. See, this was like <laughs> ten years ago that I threw mine for my yeah. husband. <laughs> He's a little me. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was great. So his, so he, I flew his family in from Ireland, and mm-hmm. I had half of them. I had his Damn. mother and sister waiting in the front of the uh, in the living room, and then I had his brother wait in the backyard. So he had double surprises. Oh shit! Yeah. That's it was awesome. Cool. We cried. That, that was one that of the cool. few times oh. I've seen my husband cry since we have been together. That's so sweet. I love and my that. husband said he's a huge Pink Floyd fan, and so I had uh-huh. uh, when he walked in, I had you know the Wizard of Oz synced up with the dark with the yeah. dark side of the moon yeah. on our TV. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> I had that going. Oh no, shit! That's so cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I thought you were gonna say you're the Pink Floyd band. Oh yeah. <laughs> you don't want to invite band members into your house. So you never get, you can't no, get rid of them. <laughs> no, you definitely don't. <laughs> oh my God. One of my friends got married and she had a live band at her wedding and they were called Finesse and they played like old school, like the Temptations oh, and that's stuff. that's the best. Like the whole, they brought the, the fucking, fucking house down. They had like a brass band up there playing and they, when they came in, when my friends came in after the wedding, they walked into the reception and they played Love Train, like people. Oh my God! Join hands, start a love I'm pissed train, that I'm not there right now. Train, like I yeah, want to yeah. be there. Listen, and they did. They did like a conga line around the room, and everybody joined in. And then they all ended at the dance floor, and these guys were like, dun, 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 and just went into it. It was like this is the party. I mean, it was so great. I remember she said that there was there's a picture of her mother at her at, at their wedding and her not my friend's wedding, my her her mom's wedding. So it's black and white, and she said her dress is a mess and she's holding a bottle of champagne. And she was like, "I knew even when I was a little girl, that's the wedding I want to go to. Like that's the wedding I want to be at." And that's a hundred percent what she had. She had a champagne bottle under her arm the whole time dancing I on the love dance floor. That. It was like. It was so fucking cool. There are man. two songs, if awesome. I hear them, I cannot not dance to. One of them is yeah. Get Up Off of That Thing by James Brown. Yes. If that song comes on, I will immediately abandon whatever I'm doing <laughs> and start dancing. So, <laughs> I want to touch yeah, the theory one day. Hold on, let me play it right now. Right now, fuck this podcast. <laughs> 
The other one is For Once in My Life by Stevie Wonder. That is the happiest song yes! in the oh, world. If you're having a bad day, pause this podcast and start and play For Once in My Life by Stevie Wonder. It is the happiest mm-hmm. song and it never fails to make me feel better and like look on the bright side. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and that reminds me when I was, um, when I was single, I had, I bought a house when I was 27 or no, no, sorry. When I was 21. Cause I met my husband when I was 27, but, um, I had a house when I was 21. It was this little tiny, like thousand square foot place in Easley. I, I just had it by myself. It was like a little tiny house, but I remember it had a stereo on a bookshelf and I had Stevie Wonder's greatest hits on a CD in it. And um, I would put that on the mornings and I woke up, I would just hit it and I would get, you know, I would just hit shuffle and it would just be his greatest hits while like, I took a shower and stuff. When you said that for once in my life, I was like, I haven't heard that since that time. And it just immediately took me back, like <laughs> to being single and dancing around. I had my little dog lady then and, you know, a little dot. It's like a, it really captures know, it that feeling me. of like, oh, God, there's so much yeah, good stuff to come here. Like there's so much to come mm-hmm. and it's yeah. like of my own making. I can do it. I can yeah. yeah, I'm going to have to do that. I'm going to have to put that CD on again and let the kids listen to it. it, like, in the mornings or something. That's so sweet. So you were, you also, you were, oh, wait, Mel, I have to ask you a question. You said your daughter got in, in trouble at school. Yes, I want to know about this. Because <laughs> you said, you said, you, here, and you were like, hey, if I forget, you guys ask me. <laughs> it's because it leads to somewhere Great. really weird. We, already, yeah. we, we kicked I mean, this off okay. at the Sultan I debated if I should even back. say story I so she gets in trouble whatever they're called they're like she's being disruptive in class her grades are good I'm like okay well she's disruptive here too I don't know what you want me to do <laughs> welcome to my world she's got good grades okay <laughs> anyway so she gets in trouble so I gotta punish her so of course I take the phone away right so she gets home from school. She doesn't even say anything to me. She walks to my office, Ooh. she sets the phone down and walks out. Ooh. She knew. <laughs> like, she knew. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh-huh. She knew. <laughs> <laughs> so I pick up the phone and I go to put it on my side table and I realize it's not coming on. I'm like, oh, it must have died during school today. So my charger's right there. I set it on the charger and immediately it comes on. Hmm. So she turned it off. So of course oh, I get yeah. like spidey Mm -hmm. senses i'm like what the hell is going on so i get on there and i start going through the text message boring going through like all this stuff nothing 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 my husband walks in i put the phone down he's like what are you doing i was like i was going through her phone there's nothing on there she's boring (laughs) (laughs) and he's like did you check Uh her google search oh shit i I, and i looked at him i said i don't want to do it i was like i don't know why i just yeah that's the one one i don't want to know and he goes, I will. And he picks it up. And he starts going through it. And he's like, oh, oh. You know what he found on oh the my god. search? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, no. It was this. <laughs> Dr. Phil abs. Dr. Phil's body. Oh, my God. Dr. Phil, how much money he made. Dr. Phil's education. I did not Dr. see it coming. Dr. Phil, Dr. Phil. Oh, my Me God. <laughs> <laughs> And I see Twitter. I'm not even done. I see Twitter. I was like, who told her she can have fucking Twitter? So I get on there. She's following like 17 people, like nobody, nothing. But she's not even doing anything on it. But her profile picture is Dr. Phil. 
them so i can't tell yeah you guys so i'm texting eagle or was it cilia i can't remember i'm texting somebody this and they're like mel are you shaming you should know (laughs) wait a minute okay have you okay i have so many questions We don't watch Dr. Phil. I've oh, she's watching Dr. Dr. Phil. <laughs> oh, God. But wait, okay, so is she... Uh, oh, my... I've never even heard her talk about I Dr. Have Dr. Phil. so many questions. Okay. okay. <laughs> I don't know where to start. Is she... But you guys didn't think I, I was going to say I, Dr. I, Phil. No, I could no, never I, have thought this up in a million no. years. <laughs> So wait, is the is it a, an attraction to Dr. Phil, or is it like she's making fun of Dr. Phil? She didn't say anything bad about him. Okay, but like, she went through her text message. You went Dr. through her Phil text messages. Abs, like abs, like, Dr. like, Phil like abs. stomach abs, right? And she hadn't texted any, yeah. like, Dr. Phil gifs or funny pictures of him. So it just leads to me, me to believe that it was for her. <laughs> what else does she look up? You said net worth? Net worth. She abs. wants it. Well, yeah, I mean, net worth, you know, I mean, education. I'm sorry that she started in the right place because you want your daddy to have money. <laughs> <laughs> but then I just I text you guys a picture of her profile. Oh god, you t- you sent it. She shouldn't do up. anything on it. it. She, it's just so I pull up the Twitter and this is what insults <gasps> me in the face. Shh, it is. It's it's not only daughter Phil. It is a picture of him looking good, like tanned. <laughs> Trim, a little muscular. Very statue. Very, like, um, patrician. Just kind of like like, oh, a, yeah. like a Roman statue. And then followed by, it says her name, and then hip-hop, hip-hop rap, rap game. Is she following history, him? History, space news. <laughs> what That's where is this? I, Wait, did you see if she was following I him? I don't, no, I didn't look. I should have looked to see if she's following, following him. Oh, yeah, my, we have got like, to that's figure what I this know. out. Is it in a is it an obsession or is it a joke? I don't know. That's why I was like, you know what? I should really probe the other kids. Like, the okay, this is what one. you do tonight at dinner. You, um, when somebody, I thought about that. I did not bust one Doctor Phil joke. I came real close, but I didn't want to like yeah, embarrass. Exactly, because you don't. I don't like, know which way to go with your acting saying? skills, what though. Can you be like, like if somebody gives unsolicited advice at the at the dinner table, can you be like, "Oh, thanks, Doctor Phil," and then just see what her reaction is? <laughs> yeah, that's a good. I thought about having it on when she came home today. Yes. Like it's on every okay, day. Okay, right? do it and then and just be film watching it. it. Let me see. <laughs> let me see her reaction. I need a body. Well, I need a body language. I want to see if she's turned on or if she is really into it <laughs> or if she's making a joke. I don't know. Oh my God. Okay. So I got on her Twitter. No, that's right. I remember looking. She follows NASA, Gucci Mane, Rockstar Games, Diddy, her brother, nobody, like just a few she's famous She's never retweeted people. Dr. Not Dr. Phil. Phil. But yeah, it's like she made this Twitter uh-huh. and then forgot so about it. So she's been like, there's Dr. like no Phil for a activity while. on it. 
This can't be a joke. I want to know what else is in this Google search. Yeah, so it was abs, it was net worth. And then, oh, and then everything, he's like, everything we say to her, she Googled. He like, she pets, Rob was petting the cat's tail, and she was like, don't pet the cat's tail, it hurts them. And he's like, the cat's fine. And she Googled, can you hurt a cat by its tail? He's like, everything we say around here, she Googled. This is very interesting. So and then Dr. Phil is between. Okay, us. I'm gonna need I'm gonna need us to not let this drop today. This has to be Okay. Yeah, she's only tweeted okay. she's never tweeted. I just I need to know this now. She's retweeted. You can't let her know that you looked in her search um, history. Sean Dawson. Then you know, that's kind of a violation. So you have to really be subtle about it. You have to really be sneaky about finding out if it's I mean, maybe she just attracted to Dr. Phil. He does have a very like um thought like I don't know how to dis- describe it, but you know like a comforting. I know, but she's, she's how old? She's father 13? figure vibe. You know, maybe she just gravitates towards him. Maybe she likes him. Maybe it's not even a an attraction thing. Maybe it's just that she likes well, him. Well, Rob has a beard. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's a dad thing. But it was just very shocking. And then once it settled, <laughs> it was very laughing. <laughs> Like, I just, I have I'm so like, many Dr. questions. Phil. That's what we found. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I bet you there's Dr. Phil fanfiction out there. But that was my story there. about my kid getting should, in trouble. I bet, you, there, I bet you there's Dr. Phil porn. I'm just going to have to look it up now. I'm going to find some, <laughs> for, I'm gonna find lot, some for the next episode. I'm going to find some Dr. Phil uh, fanfiction. I found a meme of people, like, dancing naked. Oh my she God. didn't find that meme, did she? <laughs> oh, okay. No, I found <laughs> Because I, I was going to send it to somebody, I think, after I oh, had the This is crazy. Okay, Leah, you were in Aruba this weekend. How was that? Yes, I was. <laughs> it, there was no Dr. Phil. Like, I'm really disappointed now. <laughs> but no, we had a great time. My husband and I went for his 40th. So we just, you know, just spent time together. And, you know, it's really cool for those of you who haven't been to Aruba. It's a desert climate. And uh, so that was really strange to me. But it's really interesting because it's a desert climate. So, like, you ride around on this tropical island with these clear blue ocean waters, and then you see, like, cactus everywhere. It's the strangest thing. It's like there's, there's like, lava rocks and cactus and no trees, and it's just very barren and desert-like in this beautiful tropical setting. Like, it's the strangest juxtaposition to be, like, in in like a sandy desert and then just see ocean all around you it's it was so beautiful it was so beautiful and um so we did a couple of things when we were there we did like a tour on this jeep that like took you like off-roading and stuff and we got to go swim in like these um natural pools and stuff and like see like snorkel and then um the other thing we did was we took what's it called that you go underwater submarine so we took a submarine tour, and I actually came up with a book idea I sent to Mel. I came up with two book ideas when I was there, and I sent both of them to Mel. And I was like, okay, both of these stories we have to write because they sound really hot. But it happened because I was on the submarine, and there was two people, and they I thought they were together when we first got there because they were in the back of the line. And as we go up, they take your picture before you get on the boat. I'm assuming to identify your body in case you die. I don't know. <laughs> but it was it was pretty weird that they were purposely taking our photos before we get on this boat to go out to sea. Anyway, so at the end of the thing, they were getting their pictures made, and they both went by themselves. And I was like, oh, maybe they just don't want their pictures made together, whatever. And so we get on the boat, and you take this little boat out to the submarine. And on the way there, they're sitting kind of beside us. And I hear the guy, and he's, like, chatting her up. And he's like, hey, so where are you from? Like, you know, what's your name, blah, blah, blah. Like, 
and he's much younger than her. Like he's real, he's probably six, five, like two fifty, just big, solid brick shit house. And he's probably like 25, like young, you know, good looking. And she's probably in her maybe mid forties, uh-huh. you know, long hair, like, I mean, just gorgeous, but still you could tell she was a little bit older and she was like, oh, you know, I'm from here. What I couldn't hear everything because it was really loud. But she was like, you know, I speak Haitian and I speak a little French. And he was like, oh, I speak this and this. And they're talking about like their different languages. And he's like, what's your name? And and my husband's like, are they together? And I was like, no. I was like, he's trying to pick her up. <laughs> Shut up. I'm listening. Why are you talking to me? And so we end up like we take the little boat out to the submarine. We get on the submarine and they sit like you kind of have to sit in rows and you face out. So they sat like back to back. And so like, they're kind of talking and laughing and stuff the whole time it's going. And I was like, okay, I like this. I like this. What's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? So, you know, the, the submarine thing was awesome. You know, sidebar, that was really cool. Anyways, back to the hot story. But um, so we get back uh, well, after it's over. We saw some shipwrecks when we were down there. Oh, so that's really cool. cool. But, I know it was cool as shit, but not the most no. interesting part. So we get out and then like we're on the boat back and I hear him say like, so what are you doing after this? Like, and she's like, I don't, I don't know where you staying at. And he's like, I'm staying here and blah, blah, blah. And they were talking about like their hotel rooms and stuff. And I was like, it's a love connection. <laughs> like, you know, my mind's going crazy when I'm like, they're probably just going to hook up. But either way, I was like super excited about it. So yeah, the submarine thing was great. You know what? <laughs> And I know, like, there's a fine line between a man, like, kind of talking to you when you're not, like, open to that or you're, maybe you've got your headphones in and a guy's like, hey, hey, what's your name? You know, that there's a fine line between yeah. that and it sounds mm-hmm. like what this guy did. But yeah, I really, just, like, yeah. miss guys taking that kind of initiative and, and risking public embarrassment like uh-huh. that. It's yeah. like, it shows like a lot of uh, confidence and like. Oh, you could tell he was young and cocky. He was smoking I a cigar while we were waiting on the dock. A cigar? I know. He, I know. He was smoking a cigar while we were waiting on the dock. And I was like, I hope he, think, he doesn't think he's going to be smoking that on the, oh, we're in the submarine. <laughs> and my husband's like, shut up. <laughs> he's immediately like, what? Quit bitching. And so I'm just watching him and I'm like, oh, who's this lady? Why, why is he be-? And, you know, of course I'm like, I'm watching out for her too. Cause I'm like, what if he's like bothering her? You know, cause that's what I think too now sometimes. I'm like, well, what if she doesn't want to be hit on? But she was kind of playing on her phone and I could see she wasn't really looking at him at first. And he was like, he just was like casual about it. He wasn't like approaching her and he was just, he sat down beside her and he was like, hey, how's it going? You know, that kind of thing. He's just like, good. And she sort of like smiled at him and stuff. Like she wasn't blocking him. You know, she wasn't like, she was open to it. You know, yeah. shutting him out. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, still like, well, I'm going to play on my phone and keep looking at me. You can keep talking to me while I'm sitting here, you know, that kind of thing. But it was like, I just thought like, oh, Stella, go get your crew. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Because she, you know, she was so much older than him, but it was still like, you could tell he was after it. Oh my God, that is so attractive mm-hmm. to me. Did you know like that's the number one thing that men are scared of is being humiliated? Like if you, if you ask men, like it's just like, a, it's like a, a study that's been done. I think that I know that sounds such a broad, like such a broad thing, but the number one thing. I think thing, I've heard that because I was like, oh wow, because it's being raped and murdered. For women, for us. it's being raped with <laughs> violence, and for men, it's humiliation. Yep. <laughs> like, oh yeah, poor baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a song by, oh God, what's her name? Courtney Barnett. 
that's like, I want to yeah. walk alone in the park. Men are scared that women will laugh at them. <laughs> it's like, it's all about like, um, it's all, it's just all about how like women have to like be afraid to go outside and men are afraid to be laughed at. It's, it's so yeah. silly. Which is both. Um, but it sounds like he's not afraid to be laughed at because he was obviously doing it like to the point where he knew it was going to be a yes or a no and that people were going to witness it. So, okay, so we're going to go ahead and play the first installment of Wanting uh, Wanting My Stepsister by Alexa Riley. I couldn't remember if it was Wanting Their Stepsister. Did you guys also write a Wanting <laughs> Their something? We have one that is called Their, their Stepsister. Stepsister. Okay. But this is Wanting yes. My Stepsister, and yes. uh, we're going to play the first half now, and then we'll catch up with you guys on the other side. Bye. 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 Wanting My Stepsister by Alexa Riley Read for you by Mackenzie Cartwright and Matthew Maddox Chapter 1 Libby Take the apron off, Libby. I look down at the apron I still have on from this morning. It's my favorite one. It's black and dotted with little pink hearts, it has a giant bow that ties in the back, and the bottom has layers of ruffles. I made it myself. Sewing is my second favorite thing to do. Making pies is my favorite thing. Reaching around the back, I pull at the bow, letting it loose from my waist. Then I pull it over my head and toss it into the trunk of Nicole's car. I think you cut these shorts too short, I tell her, getting a good look at them. When I rolled out of bed this morning, I grabbed the shorts Nicole had made me last night from a pair of jeans that I was going to throw out. They'd become so worn I didn't want to wear them anymore, even though they were my favorite pair. I loved the way they fit my hips, and that is hard to find when you have a lot of curves like I do. Nicole told me she could save them, but now I'm not so sure that was true. That's how they're supposed to look, she tells me. The wind blows and I feel the breeze against my bottom. I turn, trying to look at my butt. I shake my head and take off my long-sleeved flannel shirt and tie it around my waist to try and cover it up. But that now only leaves me in a thin tee for a top. At least nothing is hanging out of that except a little cleavage. Okay, maybe a good bit of cleavage. I wear the baggy flannel shirts to hide my chest, which can be practically obscene at times. It's easier to hide the girls away instead of fighting them. Nicole rolls her eyes at me. She's always trying to get me to show off my body more. We both joke about how we'd kill for the things the other has. I'd die for her legs, and she'd murder someone for my boobs. Grab the boxes, I say, ignoring her. I love Nicole, but she's a little more boy crazy than I am. She likes to dress to get their attention, whereas I try not to be noticed. She's always done up and in clothes that are as tight as possible. I have to say, though, she always looks beautiful. From her long blonde hair to her flawless skin and bright blue eyes, she has all the boys in town chasing her, but she never stays interested in one for long. I'm not boy crazy at all. Maybe that's because I'm man crazy. One man, to be exact, but he doesn't even know I exist. Well, that's not entirely true, but I seem to annoy him more than anything. When he does come into town, 
He stays as far away from me as he can get, and that's probably for the best. I've got it bad for my stepbrother, Jasper Lewis. Sometimes I can catch him at a good time when he's here, get him to watch a movie or play a game with me, but it never lasts long. All too soon, I'm annoying him and he's leaving the room. Then the next day, he's gone from the house and I'm left with an empty feeling. No matter how hard I try, I always seem to set him off. Each time it breaks my heart that he can't stand to be in a room with me anymore. Maybe I should take a page from Nicole's book the next time he comes to town. Maybe I could make him not think of me as his annoying little stepsister anymore. I could wear something like these shorts and take my hair down from the messy bun it's always in. I could put on a little makeup and maybe even flirt a little. Maybe then I could get his attention. Get more than that dark, annoyed look he gives me. The one he's been giving me since I was 13 and his dad married my mom. At first I thought he hated the fact that my mom married his dad. It was no secret they had money, and my mom and I didn't come from much. But Ned had swept us both off our feet and taken us in. Then I saw that Jasper was always so sweet to my mom, and even thanked her for how much his dad had changed since she'd come into his life. Grabbing a stack of boxes, Nicole follows me into the Sunshine Diner. It's mid-morning on Sunday, and a rush will be flowing into our small town soon. There aren't many places to go around here, and Sunshine is one of the most popular. A small part of me takes pride in that, because I know people from towns over come here just to get a pie. Hey, Libby. I hope you brought me a bunch. I ran out early yesterday, Mrs. Kathy says from behind the counter as she places someone's order of pancakes in front of them. Even though she owns the place, she's always waiting on people. She even wears one of the light blue uniforms under one of the aprons I made her for her birthday. She's owned the Sunshine Diner since long before I even knew this little town existed. When my mom said she was getting married and moved us here, it was a shock. But we'd lived in a small town ourselves before, so the change hadn't been too big. A little scary, but I loved it here. Most of all, I loved seeing my mom so happy with my stepdad, Ned. The way they looked at each other even made my heart flutter. I've got about 30, I admit. I know she wants more. I can see it on her face. She's offered me a job a million times, but I keep turning her down. I feel like turning pie making into a job will take away my love for it. Lately, I've been thinking more about it, however. I just graduated high school, and I need to do something with myself, with my future. Making a few batches of pies a week and making millions of aprons I pack away or give away isn't going to make me a living. I can't live at home forever, and I know the time is coming for me to make some decisions. I'm sure my mom and Ned would enjoy having their home to themselves. That's okay, sweetheart. I'll just sell them by the slice. I nod as I round the corner, bringing in the boxes and placing them in the counter. Nicole brings in more boxes while I put them away. After that, I pull a few out and place them in the display cases. This is cute, Mrs. Kathy says, coming to stand next to me. She's looking down at one of my pie boxes, I ordered them online and decorated them myself. I feel a little embarrassed saying that. 
that I sat in my bedroom and decorated over 30 boxes with stickers and doodles. I even wrote some cute sayings on them. They're adorable, she says as the bell over the front door of the diner rings. She turns around, grabs a coffee pot, and goes to work. I shut the cooler and give Mrs. Kathy a small wave as I leave the diner, wanting to escape before the rush hits. Nicole whistles, and I see her sitting on the bench a few stores down. I go down and sit beside her. I'm distracted by thoughts of Mrs. Kathy's job offer. We forget to give one? I motion to the pie box sitting between us. This one is decorated with small hand-drawn hearts. No. A sneaky smirk pulls at her cherry red lips. She must have put on more lipstick, because it wasn't there when we left my house this morning after she picked me up. You should give this one to Owen. I follow her line of sight across the street to the cluster of boys we went to high school with. Five of them are standing outside the hardware store. It's pretty normal around here to see them gathered outside the place. Most of the boys live on farms with their families, so this is as good a place as any to congregate. We live on a farm too, but ours isn't really a working farm anymore. My stepdad retired and rents out all his land to other local farmers. Now he dabbles in random investments with other farmers to make money on the side. My eyes scan the crowd, and I see Owen is looking right at me. He's had a crush on me since I moved to town, but I didn't pay him any attention. There were only 60 students in our high school graduating class. Everyone dated everyone, and something about that always made me feel weird. Not to mention I was in love with someone else. Had been since I even knew what love was. So I avoided the whole dating thing while everyone else swapped boyfriends every other month. I shake my head at myself like I have room to judge. I'm in love with my stepbrother. That has to be weirder. Owen is cute, with his shaggy blonde hair and bright blue eyes. All the girls in school wanted to be with him, and most had, if the rumors were true. You never know in a small town, though. Some rumors are straight up lies. I'm thinking the ones about Owen with most of the girls in our graduating class are true, though. Owen is nice and has manners, but he sometimes acts like he's God's gift to the world. I wonder if I've snagged his attention purely because I don't pay him any. I pull my eyes away from him, back to Nicole. But I don't even like him like that. Just flirt with him. It's fun, she pushes. I tap my cowboy boot, thinking about what she's saying. Maybe I should flirt with him. Even my mom has been asking me when I'm going to start dating. I thought parents were supposed to keep you from doing that. It's hard to even think about dating when I know my heart will always belong to someone else. It doesn't seem fair to string someone along. I wonder for the millionth time if Jasper dates. I'm sure he does. When he comes home every holiday, I get a knot in my stomach thinking he's going to show up with some woman. They probably throw themselves at him. Heck, I want to throw myself at him. Only I have no idea how to do that. I don't even know how to dress to attract a man. Give me your lipstick, I tell Nicole, making her smile. She reaches into her purse and pulls out a tube. I take it from her and put it on. 
I grab the glasses from my face and blink a few times, but then change my mind and slide them back on. I'll just fall on my face without them and confirm to everyone that I have no idea what I'm doing. I really should try the contacts I have, but I feel strange without my glasses. I'll walk over to Owen and flirt and see what happens. Practice. Like when I'm trying out a new recipe, I have to practice a few times. So when Jasper finally comes back to town, I can make sure he gets the best. I grab the pie and start to make my move, but Owen is already on his way towards me. I smile as big as I can. His eyes go to my legs, and I remember what I'm wearing. I stand still as his gaze wanders up my body, finally landing on my face. That for me, he says, coming to stand in front of me. I glance down at the box in my hand, wishing it wasn't one with hearts on it. It's apple, I say, shrugging. Your apple pie is my favorite, Libby. It doesn't sound like he's talking about my apple pie from the diner. I stand there, unsure what to say, feeling completely uncomfortable. I push the pie towards him and he takes it. Then he brings his hand to my cheek and I flinch. You got a little something, he explains as his thumb slides along my cheek. I see a bit of white dust and realize it's either flour or sugar. I was working with both this morning. He starts to bring his thumb to his mouth when a hand reaches out, grabbing him by the wrist. Jasper, I whisper into the quiet as a look of anger burns in his blue eyes. Chapter Two Jasper I grip the steering wheel tighter as I watch Libby take off her flannel shirt and tie it around her waist. Thank God she's covering those Daisy Dukes she's got on. When the fuck did she get those? It's not right for a girl her age to be wearing something like that. Fuck that. Those are things you should wear at home for a man who would get on his knees and be thankful for you doing so. Not just anyone on a street. I think about getting out of my truck and helping her carry in those boxes but I see her friend Nicole with her and I don't want to intrude. The last thing she wants is for her brother to butt in. Stepbrother, I remind myself as I watch the two of them carry the boxes into the sunshine diner. When my dad told me he was going to marry Carol, I was so happy for him. I could tell how happy he was with her. I'd met her briefly before their wedding, but I knew my dad was in love with her from day one. They had a quick courtship and then they eloped saying that they couldn't spend another moment apart. I understand that all too well, but there isn't a happily ever after in store for me. The first time I saw Libby was the day they moved in. She was standing on my front porch carrying a suitcase. I was a little shocked that I'd be getting a sister at the age of 16, but I was kind of excited by the idea. It had always been my dad and me. I'd wanted a sibling, and I was getting one. But when I saw her there, so many emotions hit me at once. I'd reached out that day and taken her suitcase from her hand, but was unable to get a single word past my lips. She looked like an angel. I'd never seen something as pretty as her before. Our parents stood there, waiting on us to say something to one another. But I couldn't. Eventually, I showed her to her new room and put her suitcase on her bed. 
I looked into her bright green eyes, so full of wonder, yet hesitant. Her jet black hair was cut short back then, and I remember wanting to ask if she'd done it herself, just to make conversation. But the words stuck in my throat again, and I chickened out. Instead, she spoke first, thanking me, and gave me the prettiest smile I'd ever seen. It lit up the dark spare room that we'd never used, and suddenly, the bare house we'd been living in became a home. I leaned my head back against the window of my truck and closed my eyes, trying to picture those first few years living together. She was 13 at the time and always wanted to tag along with me, whatever I did. I'd never admit it to her, but I always loved how she wouldn't leave my side. When we'd walk out to the barn or through the woods, I took every chance I could to hold her hand to keep her from tripping, but I pulled mine away as soon as I could. I was so afraid that she'd be able to tell by my touch what I truly thought. Damn it, Jasper, I say to myself, hating this train of thought. No matter what I do, it happens every time I see her. One look, and I'm propelled back to all the times we spent together. And then my reason for running, for getting out of town as fast as I could, and only coming back when I had to. Banging my head against the glass, I try to stop the memories but it's no use. I was 19 when I finally moved out, unable to take another moment in the house with her. I'd seen her grow from an awkward teenager into a 16-year-old with a body of a much older woman. Her curves didn't belong on a little sister. They belonged in the centerfold of Hustler. The thought of her being seen like that by other men makes me clench my teeth. My dad calls me home at least once a week, and most of the time I'm able to avoid it. I used to say I was busy with school, but I finished up my certification last month, so I can't give him those lines anymore. I wasn't sure what to do after high school, so I took some classes at the local community college and commuted from home. But after Libby's 16th birthday, I had to get out of there. I was asked about working on large engine machinery for a few of the farms, and the college I went to offered courses on it. They set me up with a job once all my paperwork went through and now I'm the on-demand mechanic for all the farms in the tri-state area. I never thought I could make this much money at 21 years old, but it turns out this shit pays extremely well. I keep myself busy with work, and that seems to be the only thing that can quiet my mind. But even then, it's not enough. Thoughts of Libby are always in the back of my mind, and it's only gotten worse since I moved out. Today my dad called me and asked me to come have dinner tonight. He said Carol missed me and that I needed to see Libby. The way he said it, it made me think there was more to it, like there was a specific reason I needed to see her. He also told me that we needed to have a man-to-man talk, and I don't even want to think about what that might mean. I leaned forward, this time putting my forehead on the steering wheel and trying to will myself to leave this parking lot and go to my parents' house. I was on my way there after I got my dad's call this morning, but I stopped in town to have a slice of pie before I did. That's when I saw Libby unloading her baked goods, and I sat here, watching her like a lecher. There should have been a point in my life when I stopped having feelings for her. I should have gone out and found a woman and fucked this out of my system. But instead, I'm a 21-year-old who's never so much as kissed a woman. I'm embarrassed for my own dick, because there's only one woman he wants, and he won't be satisfied with anything else. 
Meanwhile, Libby is probably getting felt up and God knows what else by little fucking pricks who don't know how to treat a delicate beauty like her. Baby bitch boys who would touch her like they want it and not understand that she's the most precious fucking thing that has ever existed on this goddamn earth. I sit up, hitting my steering wheel so hard my palm burns. Good. Maybe the pain will stop this ache in my chest. My eyes travel up and I see Libby standing there with a box in her hand as a guy walks over. It's John Bishop's boy, Owen. I've never had a problem with him, but suddenly, I hate every fucking thing about that shithead. I'm out of the truck before I know what I'm doing. If I had a rational thought, I'd make myself stop. But I'm not listening to myself. I'm only seeing red as he reaches out and touches her cheek. I don't know what he is to her, but he's about to be six feet under. When I see him bring his hand up to his mouth, I reach out, grab his wrist, and then turn my eyes on Libby. I need her to look at me and not at him. I'm so fucking jealous that I can't stand to have her eyes on any goddamn man except myself. Jasper, she says, and the sweet, soft sound has every inch of my body hard. Go get in my truck, Libby. I'll meet you there. I let go of Owen's wrist, not wanting to touch him but I keep my eyes locked with her bright greens. A light blush creeps across her cheeks, and she looks down at the ground. I hate that I don't get to see them on me anymore, but she nods, and a little peace settles in my chest. She and Nicole turn to leave, but I don't watch her go. Instead, I turn to Owen, standing in front of him, my big body blocking his view of her. What's up, Jasper? Just saying hey to your sister. No harm, man. He holds his hands up like he doesn't want to fight, but he obviously does if he's touching what's mine. I try to rid my mind of the thought of Libby being my property, but it's no use. She's been mine since we were kids, and there's no changing my stupid brain now. Keep your hands to yourself, Bishop, I say, and I don't move an inch, daring him to come at me. I could use a fight right about now. It would probably help me burn off some pent-up aggression. Look, I know she's your sister and all, but I'm a decent guy. Why don't you put in a good word for me? He shrugs like he's some sort of fucking prize. No, I say, and turn around, walking towards my truck. No, I hear Owen say behind me. Fucking asshole. He says the last part so low, I don't think he expects me to hear it. But I'm so pissed off I could hear a mouse fart and a cotton ball. What'd you call me? I say whipping around and taking two long strides to put me back in front of him. He looks nervous, but his boys are behind him, so he doesn't want to get punked. Asshole, he says weakly. I called you an asshole. His second admission is a bit stronger, but he's still a greasy piece of shit that doesn't deserve to breathe the same air as that beauty sitting in my truck. That's what I thought you said. I nod and make half a turn before I'm planting my fist in his face. The loud crack echoes through the parking lot, and my knuckles sting. I welcome the pain as I stand over him and look down at his limp body. His friends hesitantly come over to check on him. Waiting half a second to see if anyone else feels brave enough to fuck with me, I watch Owen regain consciousness and sit up, blood running down his face. What the fuck, Jasper? He complains, his hands cupped over his bloody nose. Don't touch Libby again, 
and watch your mouth. There are ladies present. I look over to see some of the older church ladies standing outside the Sunshine Diner. I tip my hat to them and smile like nothing happened here. Afternoon, I say as I pass them. I feel a smile pulling at my face as I make my way to the truck. I see Libby sitting in the passenger seat, and as much as I don't want to like it, she looks so fucking good in there. She looks good anywhere, for that matter. But by my side is where I always picture her. Some days, I wish I could burn the image of her and me together out of my mind. But then other days, it feels so right that I don't want to imagine it's anyone else. Every dark-haired woman is compared to her, and every light-haired woman is lost in comparison. I've decided to succumb to my fate and realize that there is truly only one person for me for the rest of my life. And if I can't have her, then I can't have anyone. My poor, poor dick. Chapter 3 Libby I watch as Jasper strolls back to the truck as if he didn't lay someone out in the middle of the street, like it was nothing. I can still feel my heartbeat pounding in my chest from the moment I laid eyes on him. It felt like it had been forever since I'd seen him. I thought maybe I'd dreamed him up. But no, he's most definitely here, and everyone in our small town will hear about this. There's no doubt in my mind about that. His large frame slides into the truck, and he slams the door behind him. Silence falls between us for a moment before he leans over towards me. I hold my breath, unsure of what he's going to do as he moves in closer. The smell of his cologne fills my lungs, and it stirs something inside me. It's the same cologne he's been wearing since I bought it for him three Christmases ago. We lock eyes, and I can't break the connection with his deep blues. The color always fascinates me because they're navy blue, but with a ring of honey around them. Somehow today, though, they seem darker. He leans impossibly closer, and as he does, my mouth opens slightly. But then the quiet cab is filled with the click of the seatbelt. He's leaning back and putting the key in the ignition of the truck before I register what happened. As he pulls away from the curb and starts down the road, I let out the breath I was holding. Still shocked about everything that happened on the street, I glance over at Jasper, who now has both hands on the steering wheel, gripping it in a tight hold. His knuckles turn white, and I can see his jaw tick as he clenches his teeth. Like always, he seems agitated with me. I've said about two words to him, and he's already frustrated. I look out the passenger window, not wanting to look at him anymore. It hurts to see him, to want him as much as I do, and not be able to have him. Every time I see him, it feels like he gets even more handsome. And it doesn't help either that he seems to be getting bigger all over his body. I know he's taller than his dad now, who's easily six foot. Jasper's normally short brown hair is a little longer than he used to wear it, and I can't say I hate it. It's sticking out slightly from the sides of his baseball hat, one that has seen better days. It's pulled low in the hottest way possible, and I hate how much I like it. I remember giving him that damn hat when I first moved here from Missouri. It's a Royals hat, 
and back then I didn't know much about baseball. I'd wanted to give Jasper something from where I came from, and I knew he liked the sport. He wore it all the time, even though I found out as the years went on that Ned and Jasper were Rockies fans. They'd both grown up in Colorado, yet he still wore the hat I got him. I bounce between loving and hating that he still wears it. I love it because he always has on something I've given him, but I hate it because I wonder if it's like the sweater your grandma buys you and you always put it on when you know you're going to see her. Maybe he's trying to be polite to his little sister. Nothing more than that. Stepsister, I correct. I have to add the step because the feelings I have for Jasper are far from familial. They're wrong. Deep down, they don't feel wrong, but that doesn't change a thing. I know Jasper will never look at me as anything other than a sister. It's apparent he can't even imagine me with a boyfriend after what happened in the middle of town. Owen barely talked to me and Jasper lost it. The silence inside the truck grows, and I reach down, playing with the strings that have come loose on the hem of my shorts. I keep my focus on my lap, still not wanting to look at Jasper. The feeling of him beside me while the silence builds makes a knot form in my stomach. I wonder why he's even here, or how long he'll stay this time. I resist looking in the back of the truck cab to see if he has a suitcase or something with him. I know he travels for work sometimes, so there probably is a bag back there. Maybe he's just passing by and in 24 hours this will all be behind me. But it's not like I know his business, because he never talks to me anymore. He talks in front of me to mom and dad, but never directly to me. Not anymore, at least. The thought pisses me off all over again, because it doesn't make sense. If he doesn't even want to talk to me anymore, why would he care that I was talking to Owen? Heck, mom has been trying to get me to go on a date for months now. I'm jerked from my thoughts when Jasper's hand comes to rest on my thigh. It's then I realize the truck is parked and we are home. I raise my head to look at him, but his face is unreadable. The darkness in his eyes is still there, but there's a little more softness to his body than there was when he first got in the truck. Like some invisible tension has left his body, only leaving behind the echo of his earlier anger. When did you start dressing like this? His voice is deep and raspy. If I didn't know better, I'd think he hadn't spoken in days. His hand stays in place on my thigh, the heat from his palm spreading through me. His thumb strokes my exposed skin, rubbing back and forth. The roughness of his hand sends a tingle up my spine. I've never had someone's hands on me like this before, but even without that, I know this is the hand of a man. I can tell from the texture and weight of it that he's the kind of man that does hard labor every day. The kind of man that could take care of a woman. His touch is so simple, and to him it's probably nothing. But to me, this touch is close to what I've dreamed of. It feels so intimate, and in my mind, there is nothing brotherly about it. Does it matter? I managed to say, though all my thoughts are centered around his big thumb slowly stroking me. My cheeks warm as I glance back up. 
His eyes roam over my body, to my exposed legs, and then to my cleavage. I wonder what he's thinking and if he likes what he sees. Would he like it on any other woman besides me? Yes. His single word hangs in the air as heavy silence follows. Seconds tick by, but all he does is keep stroking me with his thumb. I reach for my seatbelt, needing to get out of this confined space. My breathing picks up at his touch, and I know what's happening. It happens late at night when I lie in bed and think about him. I'm getting turned on, and I wonder if he'll be able to tell. My face gets warmer with each second, but as I place my hand on the buckle, he grabs it and stops me. When you dress like this, men get ideas. They start looking at you differently, Libby. I don't like it, not one bit. So, I fire back, lifting my chin a little. I want to tell him that maybe I want them to look, but I know that's a lie. I want him to look. The only eyes I want on me are Jasper's. The hand on my thigh tightens, and my legs fall open a little. It's only a fraction of an inch, but he sees it. Jasper lets out a sound that comes from deep in his chest, making my whole body tighten. I want to get closer to him, even with this anger pulsing from him in waves. Something about it draws me to him rather than pushes me away. I can feel it between us, but I don't know what it is or what's happening. He releases my wrist and moves his hand to my cheek. He touches the exact same spot Owen did, but this time when Jasper does it, he brings his thumb to his mouth. Sugar, he says as he pulls his thumb from his mouth. A dark look passes over his eyes, and I can see that something in him has changed. Go inside the house, Libby. I reach down and fumble with my seatbelt, getting it to unclick. But when it does, Jasper doesn't release my thigh. He maintains his possessive grip. I can't, I tell him, looking down at his hand. The tan of his skin is a bold contrast to the creamy color of mine. I hardly go outside, but it's evident Jasper spends hours in the sun. I watch as his palm tightens even more, then finally lets go. I take the opportunity and fly from the truck. I practically sprint up the front porch stairs and into the house. For some reason, I need to clear my head, and I can't do that while sitting so close to him. I don't look back to see if Jasper is following me. I don't stop when I enter the house and see my mom in the living room. I mumble a hello and go right up the stairs into my room, shutting the door behind me. I hope with all my heart that my mom doesn't come up here and check on me. Not wanting to chance it, I go to my bathroom and shut the door, flipping on the shower. I sit down on the toilet lid as the water runs and think about what just happened. My eyes go straight to my thigh where Jasper held me. He left no marks, even though he was holding me so tightly. A pang of disappointment hits me, and I don't know why. But that's another lie I tell myself. I know why I'm disappointed. I wanted his mark on me. Something deep inside me did and still does. The desire I have for him is so strong that I would take anything I could get. I close my eyes, 
wondering if that makes me pathetic. I put my face in my hands and try to get a grip on everything I'm feeling. When I hear a knock at my bathroom door, I know it's my mom. No one else would come into my room and knock on it besides her. I stand up and open the door. Her eyes sweep over me, and I remember what I'm wearing. She doesn't make a comment on my clothes and simply gives me a bright smile. The guys are going to look at some machine that's broken, and I thought we could spend the day in the kitchen together. Make them a big meal like old times, she says, reaching out and tucking a strand of dark hair behind my ear. Cooking is something my mom and I enjoy doing together, and this would be another way to remind me that we are all family. Maybe this is exactly what I need, a shock to the system to somehow reset my traitorous body. I thought we could talk about your plans this summer. I know you enrolled in some classes online, but you seem a little... She trails off, but I understand what she's saying. I do feel a little lost, and I also know spending the afternoon with her will only make me feel better. Sounds like fun. Let me hop in the shower and I'll be right down. She leans in and places a kiss on my cheek. Love you, baby girl, she says, before turning and leaving with a smile on her face. Guilt falls on my shoulders as I close the bathroom door and undress. If all the feelings I've been having about Jasper were to ever come to light, it would destroy our family. I could never do that to my mom or to Ned. So instead of doing what my body and my heart want, I'll listen to the voice in my head. Chapter 4 Jasper I watch Libby nearly run into the house, and I shake my head at myself. Fuck, I've got to get better control. She looked like a baby deer in headlights when I touched her. I sat there rubbing her milky white skin and thinking all kinds of non-brotherly things. What is wrong with me? Why couldn't I keep my hands to my fucking self? Something about her, the way she looked so innocent and sweet, called to me. Maybe it's because I've been in love with her since the day I met her, and my heart gets confused. My truck still smells like cinnamon sugar and fresh-baked cookies, and I will my heart on to go away. Shame hits me as the throb in my pants won't quit, and I don't know how to make it stop. All I wanted to do was keep that asshat from touching her, but I had to take it to the next level, didn't I? I had to punch Owen Bishop in front of the whole fucking town and scare the one person I want to protect. She looked at me like I was some kind of animal, and I would have given anything to make it go away. Her eyes were wide with what had to be fear, as I stroked her skin and selfishly took what I wanted. I didn't stop to think about what that could do to her, and I feel like a grade-A bastard. I open my door, trying to get away from the smell of her, even though I don't want to. I need to clear my head, and I can't do that if I'm surrounded by thoughts of her warm, soft skin under my touch, and wondering if she would feel just as soft under me if the weight of my body would hold her down against her mattress. Would she press her mouth into her pillow to hide her moans from our parents as I thrust into her cunt? Fuck, I mutter, kicking my door shut and grabbing my bag out of the back. Staying here for more than a day is a bad idea. 
But my dad said he needed my help for a couple of days, and there's nothing I wouldn't do for him. And you get to see Libby, the voice in the back of my head pipes up, and I groan. I walk into the house and see Carol sitting in the living room. She sees me and stands up, coming over and wrapping me up in a hug. Guilt is heaped on the already mile-high pile I have inside me as I think about what I feel for her daughter. She'd be so ashamed of me if she knew what I wanted. And as much as I want Libby, I don't want to hurt our family. What we have is special, more than anyone could hope for. I know how happy she's made my dad and how in love with Carol he is. My feelings for Libby would bring the life we've all built tumbling down, and I don't want to do that. Good to see you, son, she says, giving me a quick kiss on the cheek and pushing me back to look me up and down. Your hair's gotten long. She pulls off my baseball cap and messes my hair up playfully before plopping the hat back down on top. Can't seem to find the time for a cut, I say, smiling at her. I like it. It looks good on you. Your dad is out back waiting on you. He said there was some machine thingy you needed to look at. I let out a little laugh. That sounds about right. All right, you boys get to work, and I'll see if Libby wants to make dinner with me. Let's have a family night, eat a big dinner and watch a movie. Sounds perfect, Mom, I say, not wanting to see any more disappointment in anyone's eyes today. She smiles brightly, looking so much like Libby, and then heads upstairs. I hear water running, and I assume it's Libby taking a shower. I have to stop that train of thought. I can't let myself imagine her naked and soaping up, or I'll end up going to my room and jerking off, like I usually do. I go upstairs to my room at the end of the hall and drop my bag on my bed. I don't glance at Libby's closed door, refusing to allow my mind to conjure up any fantasies. I practically jog down the stairs and through the house, making my way to the kitchen. Mine and Libby's rooms are upstairs, along with a guest room. My parents have their master suite downstairs, along with an office, kitchen, living room, and dining room. The house is a big farmhouse, but my dad did a ton of work on it before and since Carol moved in. He likes making her happy, and Carol loves remodeling. I grab a bottle of water from the fridge and an apple off the counter before heading out back to see what my dad has gotten himself into. When I walk off the back porch, I see him out in the distance at the barn, halfway under one of our tractors. Dad hasn't worked on the farm in a long time, choosing to lease out the land for other farmers and making good money at it. But we've still got a few acres we keep to ourselves, and he likes to mow it with a tractor that was made before I was born. Hell, maybe even before he was born. You get stuck under there, old man. I'm not helping you get out, I say, biting into the apple and leaning up against one of the shoulder-high tires. Don't you know that was the reason I had you, son? to take care of me in my ancient years? He doesn't move out from under the tractor, but he tosses up a tool at me that I catch with one hand. I nudge his knee with my foot, and he slides over as I climb in underneath with him. I scan the tractor and see the problem right away, then reach for the right tools. You've got a bolt loose and it's burned out your clutch. Gonna need to replace that. I go to work on getting the broken nut off, but it's a bitch. I'm glad you're here my dad says, and I hear the smile in his voice. I hate being gone from home, but I can't be around Libby all the time. It's too hard. 
and I can't stand the pain of being so close to her and unable to have her. It's like setting a bottle of 100-year-old whiskey in front of a drunk and telling him he can't have a taste. The drunk will only last so long before he flips the table over and destroys everything. You said you needed my help. I'll always be here for that, Dad. I finally free the nut and climb out from under the tractor, wanting to look at the clutch from above. And I said I needed to talk to you, he says, following me out from under it and standing up. He reaches a hand down, pulling me from the ground, and I climb on the tractor, taking the seat. I avoid his last statement, knowing whatever he's going to say can't be good. Have you been trying to strip this thing, or did you add some lead to your foot? I try to distract him with talk about the clutch, but he doesn't take the bait. You know it makes Carol sad that you don't come around much anymore. He waits for me to look at him, and when I do, I see the sincerity in his eyes. Look, Jasper, I know you travel a lot for work, but it's not so much and not so far that it should be weeks on end where we don't see you. I know, Dad, I'm sorry. I start to say more, but he cuts me off. Son, you only live in the next town over, not even 20 minutes away from us. You made a big production about wanting to make it on your own and living away from home. I think that's admirable, and I'm not knocking you for standing on your own two feet. I've raised you to be a man, and that's what a man does. He reaches out, squeezing my shoulder, and I can feel some tension dissolve at his fatherly touch. But you need to think of your mom and your sister, and what you mean to this family. You ran out of here as fast as you could, but didn't really go too far. I want you to tell me why you're avoiding your home, and don't deny that you are. Things have changed, and we all know it. You're making a good living at what you do. And it's time we had a serious talk about your future and what that means for all of us. I look away from him to the afternoon sunshine, letting it blind me a little. I want the light to blur my vision so that I don't have to see the look on his face. If he could read my mind and what I truly want, the disappointment would be too great. I open my mouth a couple of times to unburden myself, but then stop. Telling him what's in my heart would only relieve my guilt for a moment. It wouldn't change anything, and it would only hurt him. So there's no fucking point in passing it to someone else. Dad, I say, letting out a long breath. I don't know what should come next, so I try to think of a reason why I'm avoiding my family. Jasper, Carol and I have talked about what we think is best for you, and... His words are cut off by the sound of a truck pulling up, and we both look over to see it's John Bishop and he looks mad as hell. Well, shit, that didn't take long, I say, climbing off the tractor. What did you do? My dad asks as we walk in the direction of the truck. Nothing, really. Just punch this kid in the mouth. We meet Mr. Bishop in the middle, and as he gets closer, I see he's mad as hell. You broke his nose, Mr. Bishop says by way of greeting, and my dad steps in front of him, shielding me. Your boy ought to keep his hands off my sister, I say, crossing my arms over my chest. I'm not sorry I broke the little shit's nose. I'm sorry I don't have a claim on Libby to keep people from thinking they can touch her. My dad looks between the two of us, me standing there casually without an ounce of remorse, the older man with a red face now stumbling over his words. He didn't. She's... They're dating, Mr. Bishop finally says 
and anger flares inside me. Libby hadn't said anything like that to me in the truck, but it's not like I gave her a chance to. I was too busy pawing at her and scaring her half to death to let her explain the situation. God damn it, I'm an asshole. I open my mouth to apologize, but my dad's voice stops me. No, she isn't, John, and I'd thank you to inform your son of that. Nothing against you and yours, but my daughter made it very clear that she isn't dating anyone at the moment. The relief that floods me is almost comical. I want to laugh and fall to my knees all at the same time, but I don't do either. Instead, I hold my pose and let the information sink in, knowing I did the right thing. At least, I think I did. Mr. Bishop looks between the two of us and sees that there isn't a fight he's going to win out here today. He takes a step back from my dad and gives me a hard look. I won't be responsible if my boy tries to settle a score with you. I'm warning you now to watch your ass. You tell him once he quits crying to his daddy to come see me. I'll give him another ass whooping to carry home to you. Mr. Bishop's face turns 17 shades of red before he turns and stomps off in the direction of his truck. My dad gives me a look that tells me there was no need to poke the bear, but I shrug. Did he really put his hands on Libby? My dad asks, and I see his fists clench at his side. He's always been as protective of her as I have, and I like that about him. My dad never distanced himself from her and always calls her his daughter. He could have just as easily called her his stepdaughter, but he loves her like she's his own, and I know that means a lot to her. I let out a breath and answer truthfully. Probably wasn't the kind of touch that deserved a broken nose, but I could tell he's the kind of guy that wasn't going to settle for only that. Sounds like you have him pegged. The question is there in his voice, and for a moment, he gives me a strange look. But then it passes. Glad you were there to keep her safe. He claps me on my shoulder and walks back over to the tractor. All talk about me staying gone so long is forgotten as we work on the old beast. I can feel something between us, and I have a suspicion there is more he wants to say, but he's saving it for another time. I'm both thankful and terrified of what's to come, because I have a sinking feeling that my dad is seeing some of the things that I've always been so careful to hide. Chapter 5 Libby I put the lid back on the pot of sauce that's been simmering for a while before making my way over to the oven to check on the cherry pie. The scent of the food we've been cooking all day fills the house and it smells wonderful. You should probably make another since Jasper is here. He can eat one of your pies all by himself. Mom's chopping lettuce for the salad and doesn't look up when she says it. I thought the same thing too. Before distance started to grow between Jasper and me, I used to always cook for him. I know my cherry pie is his favorite, and that's why I made it today. I smile, thinking back to how he was always my tester for anything new I wanted to try in the kitchen. He'd sit at the counter for hours with me while I cooked, and when I was younger, he would always handle stuff he didn't think I should be doing, like taking things out of the oven or cutting something up. He acted like my own personal safety monitor in the kitchen. I miss those days, but everything is changing. Jasper no longer lives here, and it isn't the way it used to be. 
I don't need him to slice my apples for me anymore, no matter if I still want him to or not. He has better things to do these days, and I'm not a part of his life now. Maybe, but we made a giant pot of meatballs, and I also have all these cookies. I'm not sure we'll even make it to the pie. I wipe my hands on my apron and see I've gotten a lot of stains on this one. I pull it off and grab another from the bottom kitchen drawer. I change my apron multiple times when I cook. It's weird, but I love so many of them, I find myself doing it just so I can wear each of them more often. Some of the ladies in town were asking me about your aprons. They wanted to know if you sold them, Mom says as she starts to shred the cheese for the salad. I walk over and grab the bowls out of the cabinet for her, setting them down next to her. I was kind of thinking about it. Nicole knows how to design websites and says she can make one up for me if I want. I like this idea more than the prospect of making pies all the time. I love baking, but it takes a lot of time and needs to be tightly scheduled. With the aprons, I can do them whenever, and I can always change things up. Is that what you want to do? I shrug. I'm feeling lost, and I don't know why. I love making them. I hadn't really thought about making them to sell. I might like it. Plus, it could be more flexible when I start school in the fall. Make my own hours. I feel my mom stare, though I don't look up. It has to be one of those mother things where you can look at your child and they feel it. You don't seem too excited about college. I keep my hands busy, avoiding her gaze. I'm not, if I'm being honest. I thought it was what I was supposed to do next, I admit. I always did well in school and even graduated at the top of my class. But that's not saying a lot with how small our schools are. Although I excelled in the classroom, school was never something I enjoyed. I went to class and did what I was supposed to. But at the end of the day, there was nothing interesting enough to make me want to keep going. Looking up, I meet her eyes and see the soft smile of understanding in them. The comfort is a relief, and I relax my hip against the counter. You know you can take some time off, baby girl. You're young, and you've got time to figure out what you want to do. Maybe even find yourself first. I can't stay here forever. I'll think of something. I step away from her and go back over to the stove. I stir the sauce, trying to keep my thoughts hidden. I don't want my mom to see how unsettled I'm feeling, because she'll worry. When I glance over at her, she's staring right at me, her eyes narrowed. She gets up from the bar where she's been working and comes around to me. Baby girl, you can stay here forever. You know that, right? Tell me you know that. I can see that what I said upset her. Crap, that's what I was trying not to do. Of course I know that, Mom. She pulls me into a hug, and I hug her back. Some of my worry slips away as her comforting arms surround me. I don't know how she does it, but being around my mom always makes me feel better. I shouldn't have told her that, but I didn't mean it like I had to leave. More that I should, because it was getting to be time. My mom had me young, and her own parents tried to talk her out of having me, but she didn't listen. She knew she wanted me no matter what, so she went out on her own and made a life for us. It wasn't anything fancy, but I never went without. Never thought I wasn't loved. 
My mom worked hard for us. Then she found Ned, and we both adored him immediately. She spent her whole life focusing on me and being the best mom anyone could ask for. I don't want her to worry about me anymore because she's done enough of it. I want her to be happy and don't want to do anything that might hurt her happiness here. This family is everything to her, and I don't want to do anything to jeopardize that. She cups my face and rubs her nose against mine. It's something we've done forever, and it always succeeds in making me smile. I'm starving, Ned says, coming in the back door and going straight for my mom. It's the same thing he always does when he first sees her. He grabs her up and kisses her, and she giggles. She used to blush and tell him not to do it in front of us, but that stopped long ago because he'd still do it anyway. That cherry I smell? He asks, putting my mom back on her feet, but not letting her go. Yep. I add a little cheer to my voice, trying to lighten up my mood. I put the lid back on the pot and wipe my hands on my apron. It should be done in a little bit, right on time for after dinner. I glance over to the other side of the room where Jasper is leaning up against the wall. I look away, unable to meet his eyes. My face warms as I think about the truck ride home, how he'd touched me. Something is changing and I can feel it. There's something different about him and about us, but I don't know what it is. I grab the plates off the counter to set the table, needing some space and something else to focus on. Crap, this feels weird, awkward even. Jasper's phone rings and I look back over at him, unable to stop myself. I can't ever seem to stop. Hey, Emily, he says into the phone and I freeze, all the air leaving my lungs. Yeah, I put your bag by the front door. You left it in the living room. He pauses for a moment. Don't forget to set the alarm before you leave. I'm going to be gone a few days. He pauses again, and all of us are looking at him. He raises his eyebrows at us questioningly. I pull my eyes from his and start to put the food on the table. Sounds good to me. I'll see you next week, I hear him say. Who's Emily? My mom asks as Jasper ends the call. I'm going to go wash up before dinner, I say, escaping the room and half running up the stairs. My eyes start to burn, and I know if anyone sees my face, they'll know I'm about to cry. I race into my room and then into my bathroom and wash my face. I look at myself in the mirror and try to breathe. Get it together, Libby. He'll always be in my life, and someday I'll have to see him with someone else. My words offer no comfort. For the first time, I don't feel like I'm at home anymore. I pull off my apron and toss it into the laundry basket. I hear a knock at my door and open it to find my mom standing there. You okay, baby girl? You don't look well. She reaches out and touches my forehead. I'm not sure. I'm not feeling so hungry. I think I'm going to lie down for a little bit. I see a trace of disappointment cross my mom's face before she tries to hide it. She always gets excited when everyone is home and can eat together. I know I'm being selfish, but I can't go down there and listen to Jasper talk about some girl he's dating. I'm not ready for that. Okay, 
I'll put a plate in the microwave in case you feel up to eating later. Thanks, Mom. She kisses me on the cheek and leaves. I shut my door and lean up against it for a long moment before I finally peel myself away and put on my pajamas. I crawl into bed, and I don't know how long I lie there before sleep finally takes me. Chapter 6 Libby My eyes flutter open. The feeling of someone watching me pulls me from sleep. My bathroom light spills softly into my room, and I see Jasper's silhouette in a chair in the corner. The sight startles me, and I roll to my side and wonder how long he's been there. I can't make out more than his outline at this distance and without more light. Still sleep with the light on. He nods to the bathroom door. His voice is low, but I hear him. I don't like being alone in the dark. You're not alone. He stands up and into the light a little. It's then I see he's only wearing a pair of flannel pajama pants as he walks to the bathroom and turns the light off. The room is plunged into darkness, and I sit up in bed. Suddenly, I feel his warm hand on my cheek, and I can't stop myself from leaning into it. The darkness makes me feel like I can hide in it, hide with him. You feeling better? Mom was worried, he says, and then pauses for a second. I was worried. Who's Emily? I ask, ignoring his question. His hand on my cheek stops moving. My heart starts to pound. I shouldn't have asked. She cleans my house every other week, he says. She was calling because she left one of her cleaning supply bags last time she was here. Oh, is all I can get out. Relief floods my system, and the knot that had formed in my stomach untangles. I hated thinking he had some girlfriend coming over so much she brings a bag to stay the night. I shouldn't care, but I do. I know we can't ever be together, but it still hurts to think about. I've never been to your house. I hear him let out a breath, and I feel him sit down on the bed. Did it bother you, thinking I had a girlfriend? That's what mom thought, that Emily was someone I was seeing. Is that what you thought too? Yes, I whisper, feeling my face warm. Once again, I'm thankful for the darkness. I hated seeing Owen touch you, he admits, and I close my eyes at his words. I hate thinking about anyone touching you. The air is charged between us, our darkened confessions creating something that hasn't been between us before. What's happening? I whisper, but it might as well be a scream with how quiet the room is. I feel Jasper lean closer to me, and I mirror his movement. My body has a mind of its own, all rational thought has left. It knows what it wants, and my head isn't going to stop it. This isn't what I should do, but it doesn't care. All this time, I'd always thought this crush was one-sided, but was I wrong? Did Jasper look at me as more than just a little sister? I wasn't sure if that made this better or worse. The things he said to me in his truck flood back, and now they don't seem like they were coming from a protective brother. 
They sounded like the words of a jealous lover. The quiet between us is allowing us to bear our secrets, and the safety of it lets me explore my darkest desires. I close my eyes and allow the thoughts and feelings that I've tried to shut down to take over. Desire is raging inside me, and for this one moment, I allow myself to give in to them. I feel his hand come to my cheek, and he turns my face towards him. My eyes spring open when I feel his breath on my lips. I've adjusted to the darkness now and can make out his face so close to mine. Some light from the moon spills in through my curtains, and suddenly I can see what's in front of me. What's happening is something I've wanted to do for longer than I should have. He growls the last part as his warm mouth lands on mine. The kiss isn't soft like I was expecting. It's not careful or tentative. It's intense and hungry. In the blink of an eye, I find myself kissing him back with the same urgency. All the years of telling myself that this was wrong and I shouldn't want my brother in this way are pushed aside as desire takes over. I lean into him with fervor, opening my mouth to try and breathe him into me. My hands go around his neck and he pulls me into his lap. I feel his hands on my ass, sliding under the long sleep shirt I'm wearing, and I moan. He breaks the kiss suddenly and whispers against my lips, shh. Then his lips are back on mine, but this time he pushes his tongue into my mouth. I can taste the warm, slick heat as it touches mine, and the feeling is foreign yet erotic. I've wanted this for so long, and finally it's happening. He devours my mouth, and I take in as much of this as I can. I want to remember every second of this, every single detail, because I may never have this again. This stolen moment in the dark that no one will ever know about. It will be our little secret. One that, when I lie in bed again in the dark, I'll replay over and over in my head. I push into him further, wanting to be as close as I can, ignoring all the fading thoughts that this is wrong. I deepen the kiss, choosing want over sense, and move my body against his. I need the friction as my legs go around his waist and I tighten my thighs, pulling me close to him. His cock is settled against my core, and I move my lower body against his. Instinct takes over once again and everything else is forgotten. My mind shuts off, and I allow all my primal needs to flood me. He growls into my mouth, and I swear the sound vibrates through my whole body and goes straight to where I need it most. My core tightens and heat floods my veins as my body explodes with pleasure. I break away from his lips and throw my head back. I release a moan, but Jasper's hand goes over my mouth, muffling the sound that I'm too far gone to hide. I let my head fall forward and enjoy the sensations of the orgasm, rocking through the pulses. Every part of me is alive, and for a moment I feel like I'm home again. The lost feelings from earlier gone, and in their place are sensations of comfort and love. Slowly, Jasper takes his hand from my mouth, his heavy breathing the only sound in the room. Oh my God, I whisper as reality sets in. Jasper's hands slide to my hips under my shirt as his forehead rests on mine. 
Don't say anything, he says softly, his hands sliding up my back, stroking me up and down. His mouth moves to my cheek, and he places little kisses there. I don't know how long we sit like that in the darkness, with his hand gently petting me. It's like he can't stop touching me. The roughness of his palm feels so good on my skin, and it makes me feel precious and delicate under his hands. The silence around us feels peaceful, and all thoughts are held at bay. Too soon, he moves us by scooting back on the bed. I worry that he's going to push me away, but instead he holds me tight and lies on the bed with me straddling him. When he settled me on top of him, his hand goes back up my shirt, and he continues to rub me up and down. I try to fight sleep, not wanting the morning to come. The light will shine on what we've done and will make all of this feel dirty and wrong. I want to hold on to this perfect moment and not lose this feeling, but the light will come, no matter how much I wish for it not to. It will show what this could do to our family and our parents, whom we love so much. What will Jasper be like tomorrow? I don't want to face any of it, and I want to lie with him like this forever. But his strokes are so soft on my skin, and the smell of him filling my lungs is too comforting. I can't fight the pull and I succumb to sleep. Chapter 7 Jasper Oh, fuck, I moan quietly as her mouth surrounds my cock. Her warm, wet tongue is circling the bulbous head, and I grip her soft, silky hair tighter as I fuck into it. I feel myself bump the back of her throat, but she doesn't make a sound. Only swallows around my length, telling me she wants my cum there. She wants it inside her body. And I give over, letting her have whatever part of me she wants. I squeeze my eyes shut and rest my head against the cool tile of the shower, letting my orgasm roll through me. I release my dick and watch the last of my cum wash down the drain as my fantasy dissolves and the water washing over me turns to shame. I can't believe I went in her room last night, and I try to push away the thoughts of what I did to her. But they flood back, and my cock is hardening all over again, my first attempt at release useless. I went in to check on her after Mom said she didn't feel good, but when I got there, I stood beside her bed and watched her sleep. After a while, I went to the chair in the corner of her room and sat down, unable to leave her. I'd spent so much time trying to keep her at arm's length, scared of what I might do if she got too close. So I wanted to soak in the moment, simply watch her without having to worry about anything, feeling calm at having her close. My gaze traced every inch of her exposed skin, memorized every curve, the softness of her cheek and the way the light hit it the creamy pale skin of her thigh that was sticking out from under the covers, the small birthmark shaped like a strawberry on the inside of her thigh that I'd see when she wore bathing suits. I sat there and remembered how I'd dream about what it tasted like, how it would feel to touch it, and if she grazed her fingers over it when she put her hands between her legs to touch herself. I burned the image of her into my brain until she woke, feeling my eyes on her. I should have left right then, 
but I was weak. Looking at her for so long had broken down my resistance, and I couldn't walk away from her. So instead of doing what I should have done, and what she deserved, I turned off the light. I didn't want to see the look on her face when I touched her, to face the rejection in the bright light. I knew what I was going to do from the moment I walked in the room, and I couldn't bear to see the look on her face when I finally did it. I know my sister loves me, but she's still my sister, and what I wanted to do to her was far from innocent. Stepsister, I say through clenched teeth as I turn the shower off and reach for my towel. I replay it all in my mind as I towel off and walk into my bedroom. I double-check that the door is locked, and I lie back naked on my bed, reaching for the baby oil on the bedside table. I put some in my hand and pray that one more orgasm will be enough to get me through the day. Once I'm alone tonight, I can do it again, but I need to somehow manage to keep my dick under control until then, or I'll be reaching for her again. I'd be lying if I said I haven't thought of all the places in this house I could pull her into. Steal a few moments, and no one would know. Lubing up my cock, I close my eyes tightly and think about her little pussy rubbing on my cock. How needy she was for me, too. Something I hadn't seen coming. How she whimpered for it, and how my dick got my baby sister off. I should be ashamed of that thought but it somehow gets me impossibly harder. My shaft grows with need, as if I didn't just jack off in the shower. I use my other hand to rub my balls as I think about the kiss and how fucking perfect it felt. Her bee-stung lips so soft against mine, how her tongue tasted like brown sugar. She slept on top of me, but I never even closed my eyes. I petted her soft body like I would a kitten and she purred on top of me. The feel of her soft skin, so familiar, yet so new and undiscovered. My hard cock rested against my stomach, and her panty-covered pussy pressed on top of it as she slept. All I wanted to do was push them to the side and slip into her wetness. Take what I've always thought of as mine, even if I couldn't have it. I knew I couldn't take advantage of her like that, and fucking her sweet little cunt is something I don't think we could come back from. Maybe we could have this, our own little secret petting. Didn't some siblings explore when they were kids? Is this so different? Only, we aren't little kids, and my feelings for her run far deeper. It's not a brotherly feeling, but maybe we could have our moments in the dark and never tell a soul. It could be my one way of touching her, but never letting it go too far. I grip my cock tighter, thinking about the way her body shook when she came in my arms, how I had to cover her mouth with my hand so we wouldn't get caught, and how much more that thought turned me on. What if our parents had caught us fooling around? Would I have been relieved to finally have it out in the open? Or would Libby's horror at being caught have been like ice water all over the moment? Did she even know what she was doing last night? I snuck out this morning because I didn't want to make her uncomfortable. But if I'm being honest, I did it so I wouldn't have to face the look of regret on her face. I couldn't stand the thought of her not wanting me how I wanted her, even though we can't be together. Giving my cock another squeeze, 
I focus on the moment we shared and what it felt like to have her curves pressing against me. After all these years of wanting to hold her close, I was finally able to have that dream come true. I feel the build of the cum, and I know any second I'm going to blow. I lick my lips and whisper her name as I release onto my hand and lower abs. I keep rubbing through the peak of pleasure until the ache turns to pain. It's then that the pulse of the orgasm in my ears recedes, and I hear a small gasp. I jerk my head to see Libby standing in the doorway of my bedroom. Her hair's a mess from sleep, and her sleep shirt is falling off one shoulder, exposing her soft, creamy skin. Her eyes are wide with shock, and her cheeks are burning bright red as she stares at the mess I've made, the one from thinking of her. I open my mouth to say something, frozen in place by her stare but mom's voice cuts me off and snaps us both out of our trance. Libby, Jasper, breakfast, she shouts from downstairs. Baby girl, I say, but Libby cuts me off. I'm sorry, she says, before she closes my door quietly. I jump out of bed and go to the bathroom to clean myself up. Quickly, I take care of business and throw on some jeans and a shirt before I go to her room. I want to try to talk to her before we go downstairs maybe apologize for what happened last night and explain that even though I don't regret it, it can't happen again. But when I see Libby's door is wide open, I know she's already in the kitchen and there's no way I can talk to her now. Fuck, I grumble to myself before I head to the kitchen to join my family. I'm sure this won't be awkward at all. And we're back. Hey. What are you guys giving away this week? Have you thought of it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we don't put us on the spot. Lots, we're actually giving away a ton Here of stuff. We're giving books. away a ton of sign books. We're giving away Alexa Riley swag. We're giving away Read Me Romance swag. You will need to check our social medias everywhere. Check, Join Read Me Romance headquarters. We're going to be giving away a shit ton of stuff in there. A ton of sign yeah, books. Yeah, I'll give away Stuff yeah, all week. All week I'll make pictures and put up giveaways. Make sure you guys make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Like hit the subscribe button; it really helps us out. And give us a review uh, if you can. We will be back on Friday with more of uh, wanting my stepsister. And I think that's it. Leah, tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye. 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 Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance, read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book, that's fine. Or you could sit back, relax, and unwind and read me romance. Read, read me romance.